This is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. And now, Ann Romer with this special edition of The Feed with the mayors from across York Region. It was the long and winding road to the mayor's chair in Vaughan for Stephen Del Duca and a much-needed electoral victory for the former Ontario Liberal leader who not only came up short in his effort to defeat Doug Ford in last June's provincial election, he also failed to win a seat. On October 24th, less than a month ago, Del Duca captured the Vaughan mayoral race by a slim margin, but nonetheless, he was victorious. The inauguration ceremony took place earlier this week, so it is now official. Please welcome to the feed the new mayor of the city of Vaughan, Stephen Del Duca. Mayor Del Duca, what a pleasure to be able to say that. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. You declared in your inaugural speech uh, this past Tuesday night during the ceremony that, quote, the real work begins now. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> well, l- listen, I lived in Vaughan for now more than 35 years. It's an incredible city, lots of great achievements over the past 12 years. But we still have some challenges. Our, our growth is, con- is going to continue to be explosive. We have a lot of gridlock on our roads that we have to tackle. That was the central feature of my campaign. We have housing targets set by the province that we're going to need to, uh, we're going to need to deal with in an effective way that respects existing neighborhoods. And we have a lot of other work that needs to be done. I'm excited about the work that's ahead, about the challenges we face, because I view them as opportunities for this incredible city, and I'm really honored to get the chance to serve as mayor. The citizens of Vaughan uh, handed you a slim victory in the race for mayor. What do you think that they were trying to say to you? Well, look, I think I think at the end of the day, it was a vigorous campaign. There were, I, I think, seven or eight candidates running for mayor. It was a great experience for me to reconnect locally. I mean, again, I've lived here for a long time, but in my past roles, I had a I had a provincial. I'll say, um, angle uh, to the work that I was responsible for. Being able to spend all of my time here locally, again, reconnect with the different neighborhoods that we have right across the city of Vaughan. In some respects, reintroduce myself to some parts of the community. Uh, it was a really energizing experience for me, and I, and I love the fact that the work that I, I now have to tackle will all be local in the community that I love, the community where my wife and I are raising our two young daughters. You know, it's interesting. Uh, at this point, you have suggested that there are a number of issues that you want to tackle. During the campaign and now that you are the mayor, you want to keep a respectful tone at City Hall, deliver good value for taxpayers, relieve gridlock, and try to preserve the environment, and so on and so forth. The part that gets to me is the, uh, the good value for taxpayers. The mayor of Toronto has said, in in essence, if we don't get a lot of money from the, the feds and from the province, we're in big trouble. How do you feel about that? What are your concerns when it comes to the taxpayer in Vaughan? So we're actually very blessed in Vaughan. I mean, despite the, the challenges that we do have in front of us, um, we're blessed in that we have a very strong fiscal record here in the city. Under the leadership of my good friend, our previous mayor, Maurizio Bevilacqua and previous councils, they've actually been able to keep property tax increases to a very manageable number. In fact, two years ago, there, it was a 0% increase. It was a, There was no increase to property taxes. Um, they they have come through because, of course, municipally, they're re- we are required to balance our books. They have. Um, there are substantial uh, both obligatory and discretionary reserves that the city of Vaughan has access to. Now, as rosy as the picture is for us fiscally, we know that our residents are facing an affordability crisis because inflation is off the charts right now. 
people don't want to be faced in particular are seniors and other vulnerable residents don't want to be faced with large tax increases and they shouldn't have to but at the same time we do need to continue to provide world-class services we struck the right balance over the last number of years and I'm hoping to build on that legacy. And what would you like to see created and what would you like to see continued? You know, I think of the Cordelucci Vaughn Hospital, Niagara University, lots of condo towers going up around the Vaughn skyline, uh, another subway extension planned uh, along Young yeah. Street from Finch Avenue to High Tech Road. Also, you know, we're well connected now to Toronto with that subway extension to Vaughn Metropolitan Center at Highway 7. What more do you want to see happen in Vaughan? Well, there's a couple of things that are really important. First of all, we have a 900-acre park known as the North Maple Regional Park, larger than Central Park in New York City. Uh, we've just started to develop that. It's a really exciting part of our city. We were there just the other day. Uh, the folks who run the national soccer program here in Canada have been working closely with Vaughan. We're looking at the potential for building the national training facility for our soccer program. Of course, with Canada competing in this year's World Cup that's about to start, it's a really exciting time for the national soccer program. I want uh, them to be here in Vaughan. I want that training center here. Uh, that's something that we're going to continue to work on. We've got York University that we're in discussions with about potentially building a medical school adjacent to our hospital. I think that's a really exciting, uh, another example of an exciting project that I really want to make sure that we are, we are advancing over the next four years. And there's a whole series of other initiatives. It, it truly is a very exciting time to, uh, to serve as this community's mayor. And yes, on a municipal level, and let's talk about that. You've had experience at all three levels, or at least two levels at this point. Now you are the mayor, so let's make it three. You worked for MP Joe Volpe when uh, you were in your early teens, if I'm not mistaken. You, on the on, on the provincial front, Minister of Transportation, Minister of Economic Development, uh, MPP, the riding of Vaughan. So now we're at this level, and not everybody understands how impactful Anything done by the mayor and council can be to a city like Vaughan. It's true. You know, and, and for me, I mean, I, I, again, I've had a really great opportunity to work at different levels of government to serve in different capacities. But this one is, I mean, it is, it's local government, but it really is, it's, it's the, the level of government where the decisions both rapidly and directly um, impact neighborhoods, businesses, small businesses in particular, our residents, um, I will tell you, in all of my years running provincially, uh, including serving in a couple of senior capacities within within cabinet, the level of awareness about me running for mayor and now becoming mayor has been considerably higher in the community, which, you know, I think is a broad recognition, not just here in Vaughan, but in most, most municipalities, most communities. The mayor and council are the people you kind of see regularly. You kind of touch and feel the work that they're doing. It does impact you directly. Uh, it's a very grassroots kind of feeling, and, and I have a learning curve, obviously. I've never served directly on a municipal council before, but the the 10 of us, this new, newly elected council, I think we're all on the same page. Everybody wants to see progress. There's a really good blend of experienced voices at the table, returning councillors, but also five new members of council out of 10, which is pretty extraordinary turnover for a municipal council. So. It's a really good mix of experience and dynamic new energy, and I think that's going to produce some really phenomenal results. I've got to ask you this, our last question. Are you excited about being the mayor of Vaughan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled. I'm very excited. You know, there's a, there's a certain sort of piece of that that's a little bit nervous, but mm -hmm. 
mostly because I don't want to disappoint people. And I'm, I'm, as I've always tried to do, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to not let down the people of this incredible community and just keep doing what I've always done, which is trying my very best, as my parents taught me, to deliver for the next generation, which includes my daughters and so many others, giving them the chance to grow up in a community that's been as good as good will be as good for them as it's been for me. And that's that's my focus. The newly minted mayor of Vaughan, Stephen Del Duca, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of The Feed. My pleasure, Anne. Thanks so much. And now to beautiful, bustling Markham, where on October 24th, Frank Scarpitti won his fifth term as mayor, defeating his opponent by almost double the number of votes. At the helm since 2006, Scarpitti has worked tirelessly to build Markham into a thriving hub of business, arts, culture, sports, recreation, and all-important neighborhoods. Mayor Frank Scarpitti joins us now on this special edition of The Feed. Congratulations on your decisive victory last month. The people have spoken. What do you think they're saying to you this time around, Mayor Scarpitti? Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, you know, thank you for those kind words. But, you know, what we've achieved so far has been truly a collaboration. Our, our, we have excellent staff at the city of Markham, and they certainly provide great support, not only to council, but many initiatives. But, you know, our, our council's been great, but, but the way that we've also worked with the community. And we're very fortunate in Markham that we have a, a number of associations that are active, participating, and, and they're a part of the success that we've had. If we have success, it's because council staff working together with the community has made it that way. And that was really my theme uh, with the uh, inaugural address, that we've still got a lot more to do, and my theme was pushing forward together, because that's been always the way we've done things in Markham. Markham is more. That's another slogan that is emerging. But I want to take you back to the COVID years, and we're still in it, but it's certainly not as impactful as it was a couple of years ago. You guided Markham through this, and uh, there's still more to come. What are your challenges this term, do you think? And as we look at the economic crumbling of of our uh, uh, systems, all kinds of things are falling apart at this point. We've got a high inflation, high interest rates. Uh, we've got a lack of affordable housing. We've got a health care system in crisis. What will be your challenges as the mayor of Markham this go-round? Well, I think sometimes uh, they're, you know, they've been consistent that, that people want municipalities to uh, be doing things that we just don't have the jurisdiction, number one. We don't have the legislative authority. Uh, we don't have the money. Uh, and I say that because the, really the the bulk of our revenues comes from property taxes, and, and we've had great success there. We have the, the lowest 17-year average uh, tax increase for the last 17 years. Um, but it, it's uh, always, and, and we get this, you know, emails, phone calls, bumping to people down the streets, why don't you do this? Well, the fact is we don't have jurisdiction at the local level to do some of the things that the public expects. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the challenge is our, our, our revenues come from property taxes, which, to be quite honest, it's the most regressive tax we have. It doesn't acknowledge that you might have uh, a senior on fixed income. Uh, you, it doesn't acknowledge the household income. It's a piece of property uh, with land and a house. and It's valued at a certain uh, amount, and then we just apply a tax rate to it, and, and that's regressive. And so... You know, the expectation to always be doing more without having the proper tools and the financial framework to do it is difficult. And it's becoming more challenging 
because it looks like there'll be some of the the revenues that we would have gotten for growth to pay for growth may not be there in the same way moving forward. And that's going to present a challenge, not only for councils, but to be quite honest, uh, property taxpayers, in, in not just in Markham, but other communities as well. Do you need help from the provincial government? Are you looking for financial support from the feds? And would the strong mayor powers be at all helpful if they were distributed to cities like yours, like like Markham? Well, you know, the, the provincial government and and you know, we're all on side for this. They, they've just introduced legislation. They want to see more more housing uh, built. And to, just to give you a quick flavor of what we've been able uh, to build in Markham in the last term, we built uh, around 6,000 new housing units in the last term of council. It's about 1,500 units per year. In the new target that the province has for the city of Markham, they, they want us to build 44,000 new residential units in the next 10 years. Wow. That's more than double the pace that we've been at. So uh, that's not to say we won't accept the challenge, but there has to be some further changes to the process. And uh, I'll also say this, you say, do we need help? Well, you know, if the pace of home construction needs to double, then so does the pace of funding from other levels of government, both federal and provincial, for more rapid transit, schools and hospitals. And and if there's any change to the way that uh, growth has typically paid for growth, not 100%, but if there's a diminishing of that, uh, we need a financial framework that does allow us to deliver complete communities. When people move into a community, they want their parks. They want not only because of the open space, but if you can't deliver the parks, that means you can't deliver soccer fields and baseball diamonds and splash pads. So there's some issues weaved into let's build homes faster, which we agree with 100% because we know there's a housing crisis. But, you know, you can't solve the housing crisis and then create, you know, two or three more crises that we'll, we'll have to deal with it. It has to be in tandem, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to have that that discussion and that really a meaningful partnership between municipalities and the province of Ontario on this goal of new housing. And then most definitely, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we, we need uh, the support from both the federal and provincial governments. You know, the fact is, as, as much as I've pushed for that Young North subway extension all the way to Highway 7, and yes, I agree, we do need to be uh, funding um, that that uh, that subway, but you know, part of the funding of that subway lands on property taxes. And again, property taxes should not be where any of the major infrastructure is funded from because it's a regressive tax. So uh, we'll build more, we'll build faster. But then we also have to make sure we have a financial framework that works. 16 years elected as mayor, two years filling in. So that's 18 years altogether. Why? What is it that drives you to want to still be mayor? You know, part of the problem is I, I love what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do love what I do. Uh, I know I'll probably a lot of politicians say that, but I, I grew up in Markham. Uh, you know, I, I read reference to my my parents and my wife's parents, we are blessed because they made the decision to, to come to Canada in the first place. Uh, my parents uh, came up to Markham in 1965. 
Uh, this is a community that I chose to stay in and raise my family. And I think we just have so much going for us and there's more to do. And, and I'll, I'll say that we are being challenged um, and rightly so to deliver more housing. So I think we, we need experience some leadership and, and someone be quite honest that they'll have the drive and the interest to do the job. You know, there's a lot of times COVID-19 was one of them. There's a lot of times like any job that you just uh, think, Oh, do I have to go into work today because I know what's going to be looking at me <laughs> and staring me in the face. I showed up for work every day during COVID-19. Uh, there was no playbook, as other politicians have said, but, but uh, provided that local leadership, again, on things we had the legal jurisdiction to do. And, and I want to ensure that we've got York University opening up in, in 2024. We have a new innovation district that I pushed for that will create uh, new technologies and provide manufacturing for new technologies. And it's an, not only important that that new innovation district, district which we call the Markham Innovation Exchange, not only is it important for Markham, but truly it is important for the province and for Canada that we have that focus in our backyard. And we have to get that started and attract uh, future investment and jobs. And, uh, and then there's uh, some new initiatives that I'm hoping to, uh, to also introduce. But as we go through the challenges, as we have through some of these goals, that uh, we have to do this together. But in the spirit of an African proverb, which I quoted, you know, if you, you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, uh, uh, you know, go together. And uh, as I indicated, uh, I'll add a caveat we do have to get going, and, I, and I'm raring to get going. Mm. 18 years in total so far as mayor of Markham. Another four at least to go. Markham Mayor Frank Scarpitti, thanks so much for joining us on this special edition of The Feed. Thank you, Anne. When we come back, the mayors from Richmond Hill, Newmarket, and across York Region. Listen to the special edition of The Feed at 105.9 FM or online at 1059theregion.com. This is a special edition of The Feed with the mayors from across York Region. Welcome back. I'm Ann Romer. Our next stop takes us to Richmond Hill. Here's Jim Lang. As the fall turns to winter, it's time for the respective councils in towns and cities across York Region to get ready for a new session after the municipal election and to talk more about what it means in the city of Richmond Hill with the new mayor-elect, David West. He joins us today in The Feed. Mayor West, how are you? Good, good, good. Thanks, Jim. I, 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 except for that whole winter comment, I'm kind of trying to pretend that that's not happening. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Be the bearer of bad news. Um, before you were the interim mayor, now you're the full-time mayor in the city of Richmond Hill for the next four years. So I think for a lot of the listeners in the city of Richmond Hill, what are your top priorities after winning the election in October? Well, Jim, there's many. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, coming through an election campaign, it's a, a, great, a, a great time to be able to kind of get a sense of where we're heading and, and plot a, a definitive course. But uh, one of the first things that uh, our council will be doing, and I suppose all, many councils across Ontario will be doing, is getting our budget together. Uh, that's a real big process, and um, we'll be starting that shortly. Um, I mean, there's, in Richmond Hill, there's a number of other very important issues that we have to deal with right away. Um, affordable housing, uh, the, the transit-oriented community proposal that the provincial government has given us, uh, the subway uh, coming up to Highway 7 and Young, 
We're right now also working on our official plan and comprehensive zoning bylaw, uh, which is a big task in and of itself, and then add the uh, complications that Bill 23 uh, are going to be causing. Um, I think we've got our, our hands for, for sure full. Um, but I, I, you know, I look to all of this with excitement because with every challenge, uh, there's the potential for great things to happen, and, and I, I believe that will happen in our community. Uh, Mayor West, am I correct that the northern edge of Richmond Hill touches on the Greenbelt? It does. Well, it's, it's more than just the edge. I mean, uh, a great deal of, uh, well, I mean, the Oak Ridge's Moraine uh, itself as a physical feature begins just north of the Mill Pond, at, uh, just north of Major Mackenzie. But we have much protected land within that uh, zone, and a lot of it is contained within kind of the Oak Ridge's community. Interesting. Okay. What can you tell the listeners about this new council of yours and some of the new faces you're going to be working with? Well, it's actually really a really interesting situation and one that's a little different for, for me in, in my time on council. We have four new councils, our councillors, which is almost half. Uh, so we've got um, you know, two members of council who I've actually worked with uh, before, uh, Scott Thompson and Carol Davidson, representing uh, Ward 1 and Ward uh, 2. Uh, we've got two other councillors who I've, I know uh, quite well and have gotten to know quite a bit better since the election day, um, Simon Cui and, uh, and Michael Shu. And, uh, you know, I've met with them a lot. They're enthusiastic, they're knowledgeable, they're ready to go. And um, so I'm really looking forward to working with them. And plus, you know, all the uh, four colleagues that we've also had on previous councils who I know quite well and, and are also enthusiastic and, and charged up, ready to go as well. I think I know you well enough, David. You're a people person, and you did get out there. You met a lot of people in the city of Richmond Hill since you've been the interim mayor and during the campaign. What did you hear from the constituents during the campaign that you can carry over to this new four-year session? Yeah, I certainly was. Um, you know, I, I always joke with people that uh, campaigns are a great uh, weight loss program, <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm down to a good weight right now uh, with all the doors and, and miles that we've walked. Um, we, we certainly heard a, a lot at the door, anything from really local issues to very broad um, issues. But the ones I think that we, we heard consistently um, were, you know, concerns about keeping taxes low. I mean, right now, you know, the municipalities and families are both under the same pressures um, for inflation. And, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're delivering the great services that people need and count on in the municipality, but at a, a rate that they can afford. Um, community safety came up, and, you know, that's an issue that I wasn't hearing very much in the last campaign and campaigns before that. But we're starting to hear about it, and, and there are some things that we need to deal with in terms of, um, you know, crime in our community and road safety. I mean, we still live in a very com uh, safe community, but we need to make sure we keep it that way. Um, I think, you know, us providing great services uh, for people is, is truly one of the most important reasons why municipal councils and, and municipalities exist. Um, and I also think that there's a number of, of issues about, around growth and uh, pressures that we're going to be facing in the next number of years. And I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, building affordable housing for more people um, is certainly going to be one of the pressures within the growth pressure uh, umbrella that we have to deal with. I mean, guess I mean, one of the double-edged swords of having such an attractive community, the city of Richmond Hill, is that when the prime minister is talking about increasing the number of immigrants to the country, a lot of them are going to end up in your community and have to find a place for them to live. Absolutely. That's true. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Richmond Hill going back right from the time that Richmond Hill became, you know, well, Miles Hill, I guess, was the first name of it back in the 1800s. But it's always been the geographic center of the GTA 
and uh, we are we are that today. Um, that's one of the the most important features of Richmond Hill, but it's also one, as you said, uh, attracts a lot of growth. And I mean, that can be a real good thing if we do the growth properly. Uh, for people maybe who are not sure about what you're all about, tell the listeners for the next four years, how are you going to lead Richmond Hill out of this pandemic and into the future? Yeah, that's something that's certainly on people's minds as well. Um, you know, I think, you know, we are thankfully coming out of, of the pandemic. And, I, you know, kudos to York Region, our York Region Public Health uh, folks for helping to guide us through all of that. You know, I think there's a, a great uh, need for businesses and for citizens alike to, for, you know, to have the supports that they need, um, you know, to continue on and thrive, um, you know, uh, not only during the pandemic, but also be well positioned when we're out of the pandemic, um, you know, to, to excel. And a lot of those supports are, are financial ones, and they do come from other levels of government, not necessarily the municipality. Uh, but there are things that the municipality can do and has done um, through our Recover Richmond Hill Task Force, uh, and we'll continue to do that. Um, you know, we need to assess what the needs are going to be going forward. Some of them we can fulfill ourselves, and some of them we need to uh, count on other, you know, government partners, uh, the provincial and federal government, to help out with as well. I mean, at the end of the day, there's really only one citizen, um, and all three levels of government, well, four, including the region of York, uh, need to be, uh, you know, doing what we need to do to support our citizens. Mayor David West for the City of Richmond Hill. Mayor West, I look forward to speaking to you over the next four years in your term as mayor. Well, thanks, Jim. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate it. That's the story in Richmond Hill. For a view of what's happening a little bit north in York Region of Newmarket, return to John Taylor, the longtime mayor of the town of Newmarket, was acclaimed in the fall, and now he starts another four years. As fall turns to winter, it's time for municipalities across York Region getting ready for their next four years. And someone who was acclaimed at the mayor of the town of Newmarket, longtime mayor and friend of the station, John Taylor, joining us in the feed. John, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you doing, Jim? Good to hear from you. It's a pleasure. As we look ahead to the next four years in Newmarket, there's so much to prioritize. How do you, going ahead, look at your top priorities after the municipal election for the next four years, John? Well, believe it or not, how we literally do it is um, is council will sit down in the next month or so and spend a, you know a, a day or two, uh, sort of systematically and slowly reviewing our priorities from last year and where we're at last term and where we're at, and then start to talk about uh, you know which ones need greater emphasis or perhaps lesser emphasis in some case, and then what uh, what new priorities we want to layer on there. All, always being aware that uh, you know a hundred priorities are no priorities at all. So it's, it's a tricky process, but it's one we go through in a very thoughtful way. And I know this is something a lot of the mayors across the region are dealing with is that, you know, the prime minister is talking about a huge increase of immigrants to the country over the next couple of years. And that means a lot of new faces, a lot of new people moving to York region. We're already struggling in the region to build enough homes. So how does Newmarket handle with the demand to build all these extra homes in your your respective municipality? Well, it's tricky. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, I, I mean, I, I, I fully understand that, um, you know, there's, there's a great opportunity for, new, uh, for, uh, for, for York Region Canada to absorb uh, and to welcome uh, new Canadians. And I, I truly want Newmarket to be known as one of the most uh, diverse and inclusive communities in Canada. And so we're, we're, we're ready to step up into that challenge, but it is still a challenge, in particular on the housing front, right? So the, um, the, the one thing we have very difficult here is we've only recently had the Upper York sewage solution, which allows us to grow and build housing options, uh, canceled by the province and told us we need to go south, which means we're kind of starting over again. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we know we will run out of uh, sewage capacity in the next six years um, and probably can't build that solution in that time. So first of all, we have that constraint. And then on top of that, we were just told under new legislation by the province, we have to add 12,000 hmm. new homes to Newark in the next 10 years. Um, given, given the Upper York situation and the, the 12,000 new homes, and then they announced the Greenbelt announcements, which is putting six to 700 acres of new houses on our border, which have to be supported and serviced through Newmarket. So very complicated, uh, probably not doable. Hmm. Um, but, you know, we want to sit down like good partners and try to figure out what we can do and try to, you know, we, we do have to build more housing options and particularly options. We need to make sure there's different options for different people. I just got off the phone with somebody saying, I want to build a small apartment for my children, a small a bungalow for my children in the back of my house. Uh, that's something everybody's looking at. We're going to look at it as well. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of things we need to do, and we need to get creative. Um, but it's a big uh, it's a big hill to climb in terms of the, the housing issue. What can you tell the listeners about the council you'll be working with in Newmarket for the next four years, John? Well, you know, in Newmarket's case, which I'm not sure if there's another uh, council in the GTA that can say this, but if they want to know what it's going to be like, they just need to look at the last four years because we have the exact <laughs> same council, which is very very rare. Uh, that occurs, and it's, I, I don't think it's ever even occurred in Newmarket. Um, but we have a very professional council. I can say this, and it sounds like a funny thing to say to some people, but for those who pay attention around the GTA um, to how politics can play out in the council chamber, uh, I would say this. Our, uh, uh, four years, and I did not have one moment where in council or out of council there was grandstanding or personality conflict or anything negative. It was it was really just professional uh, questions, due diligence, and decision-making, and it's a really, it's a, it's a great atmosphere to work in. We want to be bold, and we want to be ambitious. We want to create clearly one of the best places to live in all of Canada, and that means we need to keep moving forward. We have to be respectful, and we have to, to, to work with people in the stresses and strains they're facing in their day-to-day lives, but I think we need to come out of this stronger than ever, and I don't think, uh, I don't think you do that by being timid. John Taylor, the mayor of the town of Newmarket. As always, we appreciate your insight and uh, all the best to you and the council in the next four years. Thanks a lot, Jim. Great talking to you. We leave Newmarket now and head to Aurora with Kevin Frankish. The mayors I'm speaking with represent communities that are working to plan for growth, but at the same time are trying to preserve a calmer way of life. Aurora, King Township, and Georgina. We're going to begin at Aurora Town Hall, where Tom Rackus will serve a second term as mayor. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing? I am doing well. So I guess in one way, you don't have to rearrange your office. <laughs> no, I, I don't, which is always a good thing. Um, and I'm, I'm very honored that the, uh, the residents of the town of Aurora have uh, given me the opportunity to govern again for another four years. All right, well, let's get down to it. Now, it's interesting because we have uh, cities to the south of you. We have Vaughan. We have Richmond Hill. We have Markham. And Toronto is creeping closer and closer and further north and further north. We see explosive development planned for East Willemberry. How does Aurora fit in to all of this in, in sort of your efforts uh, to keep Aurora as a town? Well, I think ultimately that's, that's the question. Is how, do we, how do we keep uh, our town a town? Um, you know, I've, I've constantly talked about the fact that people uh, moved to the town of Aurora to move out of the city and they don't want to be in the city anymore and they want to have a different type of uh, lifestyle and that's and I think that's what makes the town of Aurora a, a desirable place to live where it could play and so you know the way we're you know we're going to ensure that we 
meet the, the, the growth targets of the province, but at, yeah, at the same time, continue to be that desirable place is by through our official plan. And I've always said that, that you, you know, it's unfortunate that the province has decided to go a different way. And I don't want to get too much into about what the province has done, but at the end of the day, we as municipalities, as, as local governments, as municipal councils need to have more authority uh, when it comes to how we grow and, and, and most appropriate way for the growth to occur in our communities. In our official plan, we've identified the areas that we can intensify in our town, um, which is along our main corridors, uh, Young Street, in our major transit station area, right where our GO station is. And we want to see intensification occur, but it has to be done appropriately as it fits within our official plan that, once again, meets all of the provincial growth targets. And so we want to do it appropriately, make sure that we provide attainable housing for not only for the youth that are, that are, that are coming uh, to, to look at, you know, coming to live into the town of Aurora, but also for our seniors that are looking at aging in place and for them to make sure that they can stay within, within the community of they, that they love. And you're obviously, of course, talking about Bill 23. People either love it or they hate it. Uh, it is, I, you know, I, I'm going to let you answer more about it, but I, I still think it's a very short-sighted bill, and I don't think it addresses the proper issues, but I'm not the mayor of the uh, the town of Aurora. You, are, you have an uphill battle to keep Aurora from being gentrified. No, I mean, I mean and, and it, the, the problem with Bill 23 is, is that it lessens the environmental protections. It lessens the, the heritage preservation. It lessens public participation when it comes to speaking up uh, about communities that they live in. And at the end of the day, when you're, when you're, when you're removing when you're, or, or lessening your development charges, and you're removing uh, cash and little parkland, all that's doing is, is shifting the burden uh, from the development side to the taxpayers. And so our, our residents are going to end up having to pay for the shortfalls that are going to come from this bill. And it's very problematic, and it's very short-sighted. And, and I think that most municipalities, such as the town of Aurora, you know, even York Region as a whole, we just, we just passed a motion to, to uh, request the province to halt uh, Bill 23, and to uh, engage in more consultation with municipalities, because that's what we're asking for. Sit down with us, have some conversations. Let's collaborate on how we can move forward and and actually create that attainable housing. We know that we need to take some bold steps, but what's being presented is not the right steps. All right, thank you so much for this uh, short chat. Uh, it's it's great to get to know you once again as you head into your second term. Uh, what are your other priorities? What, what, what's your other priority right now? I know you, you deal a lot with the environment and with the heritage uh, buildings as well, but what's next after housing, which of course seems to be the big topic? Well, that, it, Kevin, absolutely, housing is a big topic, but I mean, ultimately from the town of Aurora perspective, I mean, we're, we're going to continue through the revitalization of our downtown. It's been a, it's been a focus of mine as well as council uh, from last term, and we need to with that revitalization because we want to create an area that becomes that gathering place that focus area within the town that people will come to and um and so we're gonna you know, through the development of our town square we're gonna continue on that we're we're gonna see our town square open uh hopefully in the summer um and we're gonna realize part of that revitalization we're starting to see more businesses come to the town which is very encouraging and we're starting to see newer residents come to the town which is also very encouraging because at the end of the day, we're we're very proud of how diverse our community is. So, you know, that priority is going to be 
mainly focused on the downtown, and we're going to continue to make sure that that we we build a community that everyone can live work, play in. Proud to call home. All right, thank you, Tom. Thank you very much, Jack. Tom Marakis, uh, Mayor of Aurora. King Township, of course, on the Greenbelt. They face some unique issues in the region. Steve Pellegrini acclaimed as mayor of King Township for another term. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm spectacular, Kevin. How are you? Well, uh, well I wish I could be spectacular. I'm okay. We'll put it there. <laughs> you know you control your own uh, uh, destiny and your own uh, state, eh? Well, you certainly do. Third acclamation. <laughs> What's going on? And, and I want to talk to you about this because what is going on where we have so many different municipalities, and not just in York Region, but but throughout Ontario, where I don't know if we've seen an election with so many people who were acclaimed. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I'll say, first of all, it was an honor and a privilege, and uh, I'm very thankful for the acclamation. Also, we're coming out of, a, will say, a very difficult time. Uh, many politicians chose not to rerun because of the uh, difficult, um, uh, well, it was the pandemic, let's be upfront. It took a lot out of everybody. Um, the, the government closest to the people, we tend to get the brunt of everything. We get the glory, but we also get the brunt. Um, whether stores were closed and we were uh, just um, following provincial protocols, it was you're you're killing my business. Why aren't you? Why are you doing this? And it's like, well, it's a provincial uh, jurisdiction, and they, they don't want to hear that. They they know me. They can come to me, and it's always our issues. Doesn't matter what level of government, we're the closest to the people, and they expect that we advocate on their behalf. How are you going to deal with uh, the uh, development and the, the struggle over the green belt and uh, housing? Well. Um, it's interesting, we just had one on uh, a couple Fridays ago. The government pulled out a, a number of properties mm -hmm. in the York region, and uh, one of them was in King, and that's at the corner of Highway 9 and Bathurst, and that is where we're pushing for the new South Lake Hospital. So um, institutional uses are allowed in the Greenbelt, but they pull out quite a bit of land, and I get it. They need the auxiliary uh, services and doctor's facilities around, and quite frankly, to get the developer to give the land to the hospital at a nominal cost, he needs to make money on the other lands, right? So it's a kind of, let's make the best of what we can out of this, and uh, having a new uh, regional health care center uh, in close proximity to the other one because they want to be able to it's similar to the mckenzie health uh, system you know you want to be able to move staff back and forth a lot of the growth is going to happen to the north of us in bradford east glowenberry places like that and this is perfectly located between the 400 and 404 and right along the uh, viva transit uh, corridor as well so all right steve Pellegrini, thank you for this good luck in the next four years Oh, thank you very much, Kevin. I look forward to speaking to you on a regular basis. To the town of Georgina next, Margaret Quirk will return to the mayor's chair there for a third time, garnering 47% of the vote. She will also be one of four women on the seven-member council. They will have to deal with the thorny issue of waterfront access, as well as possible amalgamation of its fire service with East Willenberry. Hi, Margaret. Hi, how are you, Kevin? I am well. Four women out of the seven positions. Now, if I'm, you were the only woman for a while. Oh, 
um, there's only been one term that I've had more than one that I haven't been the only female on council. In the 2014 to 2018, I had one member the entire term and then another member part term, another woman. So yeah, most of my most of my career in politics, I've been the only woman on council. So what does that mean? And, and, and be honest with me right now. There is, what does it offer when you have a female point of view and you have a, a male point of view? We need both of them. I will say that. But, but what does it mean? We need both. The world is, the world is men and women. And, and I think we do look at things a little differently. Um, not that one is better than the other. They're just different perspectives. So it is good to have both uh, a good representation of, of, of both um, men and women on, uh, on a council. And I think uh, this will be interesting because this is the first time that the women have actually outnumbered the men on our council. Did you notice how I was trying to tiptoe around asking you <laughs> about that? Yes, I know. I know, but it, it's, it will be a different perspective, um, it, but, it, but it's good. And, and uh, I think it's important to have that, those different ideas. And everybody comes, whether you're a man or a woman, you come with your experiences, your knowledge, your, your background, your work history, you know, your, your culture, everything. So I think it's important to have a, a fully diverse council. And, and we aren't as diverse as we should be. Um, we're, you know, a little more balanced with the, the men and the women on our council. But we're truly not a, a diverse um, council by by any 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 discussion on on if you look at our council, we're we're not a diverse group uh, ethnically. And Georgina uh, presents some very unique issues in a region that is growing as fast as York Region is. I mean, in one way, you're York Region's cottage country. In another way, you are the next frontier of explosive growth. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, certainly, we get a lot of people coming up from Toronto, other parts of York Region, to enjoy our, our beaches and, and our waterfront and, and the parks and, and our golf courses and our, our, you know, just the green spaces that we have, our parks and, and uh, the agricultural uh, lands. Um, so, yeah, we, we do get a lot of visitors uh, because of that. But we're also growing, as you said. I mean, Keswick is, is the growth center. Um, we have new homes being built every day. Um, Sutton is is uh, growing as well, not as fast as as Keswick. You know, there's small infilling growth, but but yeah, you're right. It's it's quite a a challenge of are we a tourist area? Are we a, a, a bedroom community? Are we a growth area for for businesses? We're we're some of each. Truly, we're quite a quite a mixture. Now that waterfront access is going to come to a head uh, next year. Um, and it, it gets quite heated at some times. Mm-hmm. We have 52 kilometers of uh, Lace Simcoe shoreline. Uh, a lot of people have moved up to Georgina because of, of the lake. Um, you know, some of the cottagers that were cottages for many years during the pandemic, people said, hey, you know what? I can work from home. I can work from my cottage. There's decent internet there. I can, I can do it. Or maybe there isn't decent internet and we're working on that. But it, it has changed. Um, you know, we don't have as many true cottagers where, you know, they close up for the winter and, and don't come back till uh, 
till uh, the snow leagues. So it, it has certainly changed that. The other big issue is going to be discussions with East Gwillimbury about combining your fire service. We've already seen fire services combined uh, with York Central services uh, in, in, in York Region. There are other uh, uh, fire services that are sharing equipment and uh you know, even sharing names. So what is going to happen there? What What is the next thing for that? Well, the next thing is for the report to come to our respective councils. Um, their staff and, and the consultants are, are working through that. We do a lot of work with East Gwillimbury as it is. There's there's a number of, of things that we do jointly. Are there other things we can do jointly? That's, that's what we're looking at through this consultant report. Everything from, you know, a full amalgamation to shared services, um, even just, you know, tendering out things, uh, training. Because we have the lake, we have um, staff that are trained in water rescues and different things that other municipalities may not uh, get as involved with. So we're looking at all the options on the table. No decisions have been made at, at this time. And once we get the report, we'll be able to see where it will all work out. But it, even if we don't do the amalgamation, it's a good exercise to, to do to see where there are other opportunities other than a full amalgamation. So um, I don't want people to think, oh, if you don't do the amalgamation, what a waste of time. Um, no, it's it's always good to have the information, ask the questions, because it has been asked for a number of years since I've been on council. You know, why, you know, because Ravenshoe is just a, a boundary on a, on a map. And, and if you're looking at, you know, services, where can you get to the, the best services? East Gwillimbury is also growing. They'll be bigger than us in, in the next... 30, 40 years. So, you know, they they need to look at, at what their needs are. We need to look at what our needs are and what can we do together to uh, make improvements to, um, you know, uh, efficiencies. And it's always about the taxpayer and looking at what's the best decision for the taxpayers, also looking at the best decision for the safety of our respective communities. So the report's coming. And uh, as I say, there's no decisions made at this time, but we'll see what to, what comes of the recommendations. All right, Margaret Quirk, thank you for this. Thank you. After the break, the mayors from Whitchurch, Stouffville, and East Gwillimbury. Listen to the special edition of The Feed at 105.9 FM or online at 1059theregion.com. This is a special edition of The Feed with the mayors from across York Region. Welcome back. I'm Ann Romer. Glenn Perkins wraps up our conversations with the mayors from across York Region with his stop in Whitchurch, Stouffville. Which Judge Stouffville Mayor Ian Lovett is entering his second term of leading the town's council. Mayor Lovett joins us now. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be with you. What did you learn during your first term as mayor that you'll be expanding on moving forward? Uh, you know, building a cohesive team that's focused around a strategic plan, I think, is probably the uh, number one thing that evaded us before the last term of council. And it's something that we'll be carrying on uh, this term. We were lucky to see most of our council returned. Um, we have one new member of council uh, that's joining us. And uh, I have lots of hope that we'll, you know, continue this to move forward. And we're going into our strategic planning process uh, shortly, actually, uh, for the next four years to get vision for the community. And uh, certainly uh, looking at all the changes that are happening in the province and uh, new legislation that's coming down. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to get all that associated in our strategic plan. With the majority of councillors being re-elected, what does that tell you? 
tells me that the community was pretty happy with how things were going. Everyone won their seat with a majority. And so I think that certainly the residents and those that voted, we had 34% turnout, which uh, is disappointing, but um, higher than many municipalities in the region. So I think that we have a mandate for where we're going and the direction that we're heading and the strategic plan that we had from 2018 to 22 was certainly the right direction. And I think People are just generally very happy with the way things have been over the last four years, and they voted us back to continue on. You had challenges during the last few years, especially with COVID. How do you think council handled that? Well, you know, I would say the best that we could. We There's no book to read or, you know, sage wisdom to, to lean on for how to manage a municipality through a pandemic. I think we did a, you know, a really good job in trying to protect our community, continue to deliver the services that our community come to uh, expect from us. But at the same time, having to pivot, you know, it seems sometimes every week. And uh, I'm certainly proud of our council and, and staff and how we managed through, through the pandemic. I know that we didn't make everybody happy. Certainly there were a number of members in our community, and I think it's probably fair to say across the province and and the world uh, where some of what was implemented at a local level through provincial recommendations was challenging for a lot of people in our community. And, And certainly that's probably been one of the hardest things for me as the mayor, just trying to manage those residents' expectations and, um, I'm hopeful that we're through it now and we can uh, move forward and work on, you know, building unity again in our community. It's going to be interesting to see what happens during the next couple of days with the province recommending masking again, but not implementing a mandate. Yeah, you know, I think people have to make choices for themselves and they've got to care for their families and themselves. And I think they need to make the, the best decisions for them. I think we should be I would love us to be a judgment-free community. Uh, if someone chooses to wear a mask, then uh, let them. And if someone chooses not to, then you know the same can, um, grace can be afforded to them. But people need to make smart decisions for themselves. And if they feel that wearing a mask is important, then uh, there should be no judgment there. Matt Lovett, when Council meets for its first official session, what's going to be top of the agenda? Our first official meeting of Council... Uh, is on uh, the first Wednesday in December. And um, we, there are a number of issues that are, are going to be coming to our our agenda. The impacts of Bill 23, certainly the uh, province's approval of the regional official plan and what that means for us because we have our local official plan to get approved in Q1 of, uh, of this term of council. So those are, uh, there's some big planning issues that are going to, um, are, are going to be on our agenda and, and implications of some of the decisions that the province has made on us locally. So we can look forward to that. One thing the province has been pushing is affordable housing. Yes. So we actually are, um, ha- have a housing York project that is broken ground and is starting to, to be built within our community, which is great. But every developer that uh, I speak with, whether it was last term or moving forward in this term, but always the conversation focuses around how can we make housing more attainable for people. Affordable seems a bit, or the term affordable is a bit undefined because uh, everyone's, uh, what's affordable for somebody is not for somebody else. And so we need to start looking at what's attainable. And I think that is certainly the focus that the province has and that all 
mayors in uh, the GTHA are going to be tasked with. And, you know, everyone needs a place to live and housing is a right. And so we need to do everything that we can to work with the development community to make sure that housing is attainable. Wichita Stouffville Mayor Ian Lovett, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. East Gwillimbury is the fastest growing municipality in Canada. Virginia Haxon is mayor and she joins us now. Mayor Haxon, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. What do you put the growth down to for your community? I'm crediting it with participants in the uh, local government years ago. They had an opportunity to see how uh, East Gwillimbury was, was growing, three or four small hamlets. And each one of those hamlets, as time went on, uh, developers had a look at those uh, areas and saw that they were very attractive for new houses and a new community. And and so uh, over many years, East Gwillimbury has, has grown uh, from some small little towns to something much larger. Moving forward, what does Council have to do to ensure that the town continues to grow and prosper? I think the the big thing would be uh, to make sure that we still have green space. Uh, we're a town, uh, I know people come to live in East Willemberry because they like the wide open spaces. We, we are about fully built out, about 80% green. And that's what people really want, is they want to have a community that is walkable, but they also want to have the green space, the forests that are, are in our community and will remain uh, in East Gwilmbury as well. Mayor Haxon, you were re-elected with almost 500 votes over your nearest rival. What do you bring to council that has the residents of your community believing in you? I think this is the fourth uh, term. And uh, I, when I sit down and talk about my vision for the town, my vision really is that of people that I have spoken to on the street or in the grocery store or uh, even at a, a church dinner. And I find that if I stay uh, close with those values, that's what people want in East Willemberry. They want to know that long-term we're still going to have lots of green space and wide open areas, but also services that they will have for themselves and their family as well. What are you hearing from the people on the streets? I'm hearing uh, a number of things. Uh, One, that we have a lot of new people in our community, and so they're looking at recreation facilities, uh, new schools, new sidewalks, organizations that they can join or their children uh, or family can join as well. And uh, we are delivering those kinds of things. So as a result, what they're doing is talking to their neighbors and perhaps uh, even uh, friends that are not living in East Gwillimbury at this time. And they're doing a pretty good sales job about what East Gwillimbury is, is doing and the kind of values that we have. There are a couple of new faces on council, Brian Johns from Ward 2 councillor and Susan Leahy, Ward 3 councillor. How will this change the dynamic at East Gwillimbury Council meetings? I think not a lot. We certainly will work with the new people that are are, uh, newly elected. I know uh, I have met with each one of them most recently this past week, and their ideas of, of what they would like to accomplish and the kinds of committees that they would like to be on and the issues that they feel are important in moving forward in the next four years. They've already shared uh, with myself as well as other members of council. What do you think the challenges are going to be for council moving forward? I think 
The challenges may be how we grow. And in many cases, uh, you have developers who have bought land. I'm going to say we have some areas that are 30 and 40 years ago. They bought land to, to develop. Uh, we're a little different community now than we were when they purchased that land. And so it's to make sure that that fits in with the vision that council has for, for a long-term community. And something like housing has been top of the agenda for many councillors. Yes, it is. For sure it is. Making sure that we have a variety of, of housing, that it's not just all single family, but that we also have some uh, other uh, ideas along the way to, to make sure that people can afford to buy a home in East Gwillimbury. Virginia Haxon, Mayor of East Gwillimbury, thank you for speaking with me today. Well, thank you. It was, it was nice speaking with you also. If you missed any part of today's special edition of The Feed, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favourite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you so much for listening.